just because I loved science and I loved, you know, guiding and teaching others, but then I knew it had to be something to do with kids. So I think it just kind of in my head pieced together as, well, pediatrician fits all of that. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Marn, a podcast show that attempts to pull back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Marn. In today's episode, we're going to meet a pediatrician who, after working for about 9-10 years as a pediatrician, became a school physician and medical director for a school in Dubai. That's right. This is the first guest that we're going to be interviewing from outside the U.S., What we're going to learn today is not only how she achieved her goal of being a pediatrician, but taking advantage of opportunities that reveal themselves to her later in her career. For some, if not many of us, once we achieve that career goal, that's what most of us will probably, probably be doing for the rest of our life. And that's fine. That's great for an overwhelming majority of us. But in this episode, it'll highlight, hopefully, that there's also a lot of opportunities that reveal themselves once we're in a career. Uh, you know, after you get into these careers, no matter whether it's nursing or being a doctor or a therapist or going into any allied health profession, opportunities will open themselves up to you. You just have to have an eye for them and be willing to take that jump. So my guest today is Omaima Maliki. Uh, a little bit of bio on her is she went to American School of Dubai and grew up in Dubai. Then she went to Hamilton Hamilton College uh, in the U.S. where she got a degree in biology and French. She then went to Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine where she got her MD degree and then went to become a resident at the Floating Hospital for Children in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Maliki worked in a clinic outside of Boston for a while and then moved to Dubai in 2010 where she has worked as a pediatrician. In the spring of 2019, she became a school physician and medical director of the American School of Dubai, actually the school that she graduated from uh, for high school. And boy, as you will see during this episode, it was quite an introduction to a new career change, a pivot to a new career uh, as a school physician from being a pediatrician, especially with managing that new position during this coronavirus pandemic. She's really enjoying her new career change, as you will hear in this episode, as she's really helping a lot of students, uh, almost 2,000 students that she's trying to keep safe and healthy during this pandemic. I'm going to make a quick side note here before we get going with uh, this conversation with Dr. Maliki. And I want to reveal something that she said to me after we stopped recording and that she thought it'd be appropriate that I bring this up. And that was when she was in high school, a friend of the family, an adult, um, when they learned that she wanted to be a pediatrician at a young age, they were not supportive. In fact, this particular person discouraged her from being a pediatrician. And that moment really left an impression upon her that she would remember for many years to come. But she was also able to tell me that she was able to persevere and still pursue her uh, childhood goal of being a pediatrician. And because of that, she was able to ignore the advice from that person and is now able to help almost 2,000 students and their families in this new position and role that she's now serving in. So I want to highlight two points of why I mentioned this before we listen to this conversation with Dr. Maliki. Number one, you're going to get people that are not always looking out for your best interests and maybe don't understand what your goals are. 
and they're going to try to discourage you. You're just going to get a lot of naysayers, possibly. And there may be a lot of people out there that are going to try to put you down or distract you. But if you do your research, and if you really want to strive for a particular goal or career, then go for it. The second point I want to make is Dr. Maliki made a decision to ignore that person's advice. And because she did that, she was and is able to currently help over almost 2,000 students and their families. You see, sometimes the decision you make may not impact yourself or people around you immediately, but sometimes years later. So without further ado, let's talk with Dr. Maliki. So uh, welcome, everybody. Today with me is um, Dr. Omima Maliki. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing over there? I, as I introduced you, you're going to, you know, you are in Dubai. That's eight right. hours ahead of us here in New York. And I know you've talked to, talked to me privately about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus. But I'd like to really talk about your career. It's definitely a little different um, as a, you know, physician and pediatrician. And you're also a school physician and a medical director. Uh, so what you could tell me a little bit about being a pediatrician, how that's different as a school physician. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on your show. Well, thank <laughs> um, you. I'm just so happy you're here with us. <laughs> so uh, when I moved to Dubai in 2010, I went into a similar line of work that I thought, you know, I was going to do till I retired, which is to work as a general pediatrician, um, you know, uh, in an outpatient practice, yeah. maybe some in hospital care as well. And I, I did that at first. I joined a clinic uh, called MediCenters, and um, it was a really busy practice. I saw very similar cases as I had in Boston, but the difference was the, um, the way clinics are generally set up here is that you don't actually have offices with you know a full pediatrics team. I was actually their only pediatrician. Um, there were all kinds of other specialties under that roof, like dermatology and ENT and different surgeons and family docs. But suddenly, um, I had to, <laughs> you know, think for myself uh, without any support, right. which was really tough. You know, so in Boston, I practiced with thirteen other doctors who were all pediatricians, and if, as, you know, many of them had. 20, 30 years of experience. And if you saw something you weren't sure of or a new rash, you could run it by them. But right, suddenly right. it was, you know, so that was, um, it was, it was challenging, but um, obviously I learned a lot um, and I was happy doing what I was doing. I wasn't really looking to change my career or looking for anything different. Mm -hmm. um, but my kids actually were going to uh, the American School of Dubai, which is um, where I also went to school um, and graduated from in 94. And um, It's a K through 12 type uh, it's, system? It's a K through 12, yep. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a pretty large campus, but we have, um, and the three uh, schools are kind of separated a little bit from each other, but we're all, we all share the same campus and same facilities. Um, and it starts from pre-K, actually, from three-year-olds, you know, all the way through 12th grade. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And this one day I was, like usual, dropping the kids off at the gate and just jetting off to get to work on time. And the superintendent, um, like, came chasing after me in the parking lot. And she was, uh, she was like, I need to talk to you. This is really important. I have a proposal 
And I had no idea like which one of my kids must have gotten in trouble or whatever. I was like, can we deal with this later? <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> she was like, no, no, this is something good. Um, you know, let's set up an appointment and chat. I have a really nice proposal for you. So, um, you know, we connected about it and she basically talked to me about this new position that um, the school wanted to take on a pediatrician or a um, you know, a medical director, uh, as they were growing so quickly and, and, um, they wanted someone to manage all facets of student health and well-being, And they felt like a pediatrician and someone who was also an alum of that school would be a, a good fit. And my kids went there as well. So, um, so she talked to me about it and, and definitely I had my own misconceptions about the field of school health. I, my first reaction was, wait, I'm so confused. Like, why would you want a pediatrician, you know, to do this job? I don't get it. Because we sometimes think it might be uh, just, you know, they just, a school just needs a nurse. Yeah, right. that's right. And you feel like, you know, uh, uh, my, that is, that was exactly my misconception. I thought that when a kid got sick, um, they went to the health office, the nurse called the parent and they got picked up and they went to come and see someone like me. And I would check what's wrong and, or, you know, or they just take them home to rest. I, I didn't, I thought they just provided basic first aid and sent them home if they were unwell. But I was so wrong because, <laughs> because when I, um, I started reading about it, I realized what a huge field this was and how, how much impact you can actually have on, uh, students and their families, um, because you have, the ability to affect them at their most, you know, sensitive times in their lives, which is those 13 years that they're going through school, you know, um, and spending actually most days of the week and most of their hours of the day, uh, you know, with us, with their educators, their teachers and, and you know, the health office team. So, you know, honestly, at first I said, I'm not sure I really want to do this, but I said, you know, let me let me look into what what the job might entail before I make a decision. And um, I happened to be going to one of the pediatrics NCE conferences, and there was a book there called uh, School Health Policy and Practice. And I'm like, oh, school health is a thing, like, you know, <laughs> and all throughout the book, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Like, th we really encourage that, you know, residents get experience in, in schools. And, you know, we encourage pediatricians to be strongly involved, you know, in their school systems and all all this stuff, you know, and I was like, wow, um, everything ranging from like mental health and how you can help with nutrition and, you know, deciding when kids go out to play, depending on the heat index here, of oh. course, it's a factor and humidity levels. I mean, all kinds of things. So um, I realized it's, it really uh, can have such an enormous impact um, when you can be involved in making decisions at those higher levels. So, you know, we start with anticipatory guidance, right? Like trying to avoid injuries and risk management. And so we do a lot of work with the kids setting up, you know, in school vision screens, um, hearing, hearing screens, scoliosis checks, and we even do full physicals. And these are mandated actually by our health authority here at certain ages, not every year, but at certain kind of critical points in a 
kids development. We'll um, actually see every single student in that grade level and uh, do a full check, you know. How many students, by the way, how many students are in your school? So the total number is about 1,800, just under 2,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, and since coronavirus happened, the numbers might have come down a little bit because a lot of people had to move out of the UAE and go back to their home countries for financial hardship reasons. But I think we're around uh, 1,700 starting out this academic year. I see. So as a as a school physician, you, you definitely help with making policies mm-hmm. and making decisions or uh, applying public health uh, regulations and applying yes. it to your school and tailor, tailoring it. Something that you really didn't do as a pediatrician, right? I mean, because as a pediatrician, you're just seeing one patient at a time. And it's it's just, you know, it's just that one patient and, you know, maybe exactly. 30, 40 patients a day. But you're not instituting any policy changes or absolutely. So, I you know, you, you can uh, see a kid uh, and recommend a vaccine and maybe the family doesn't agree with you and you might spend an hour trying to convince them that vaccines are important until you're blue in the face and, and you may get somewhere you may not. And on the other hand, I realized, oh, um, we can actually say you can't enroll your child until they've gotten their vaccines. And then Poof, just like that, 2,000 kids have made sure they're up to date with their <laughs> vaccine. So you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it, you know, I think of it like how a politician might be able to get things done on a, on a wider scale in many ways. Um, school, you know, the school administrators and leaders of the school can make changes that everyone has to abide by to in order to get their send their kid off to school. So it, it makes people... Um, more compliant, if you will. Do you think you've, I mean, obviously, do you, I mean, this is how it's coming across. I just want to clarify it. Do you feel like you have a greater impact and influence, therefore, on a young person's health uh, as a child than as a pediatrician? Yeah, I, I, I think I think so. But on the flip side, what you do end up losing, I guess, and, and which is why I think it's been hard for me to fully cut my ties with private practice is that it's harder to build those special relationships and um, with the families because this is unique at school. You don't really interact very much with the parents. And some people might say that that's a good thing if they're (laughs) in pediatrics that you can actually just treat the child and deal with the child. But Uh, no, I mean, obviously, the fam- meeting the family, the parents, the siblings, and being you become part of their lives when you're their pediatrician. Like, y- you get invited to their birthday parties and, you know, you get Christmas cards. I mean, you really feel sometimes like you've become part of their, their family. And they that so it's a little bit more of a personal connection, I think, when you're in um, practice in the community versus in the school, you can make a bigger impact, um, a bigger ripple effect. But it may not feel as gratifying and rewarding as uh, getting to uh-huh. affect a family and, you know, really have them see your heart, you know, and yeah. get to know that you. That human connection. That human connection. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what is your typical day like right now in this role that you've been in for about a year now as a school physician and medical director for the school? 
So, uh, yeah, so we start off the year. I mean, this is going to be a very atypical year, of course, with all the coronavirus guidelines. But a typical year would look like, you know, we start out the year collecting medical updates and reviewing all our chronic kids who have diabetes or, you know, any chronic medical condition uh, like allergies or asthma. We'll make sure that they have care plans and, you know, emergency um, action plans in place. And if we notice that, you know, there's a child in first grade uh, who has um, severe food allergies, we invite all their teachers to come in and get trained on what that looks like in case they're having an anaphylactic reaction, like a severe uh, food allergic reaction. And also we'll even train them on pillows, how to use uh, um, EpiPens, you know, so we want to make sure that we do a lot of education basically to make sure that everyone who's going to be potentially responding first to a kid's emergency, that they know how to reach us and what to do. So there's a lot of education at the beginning of the year. We even go to the classrooms and give some slideshows on basic hygiene, (laughs) you know, which (laughs) now it's like uh, a little step up um, with wearing masks properly and cough etiquette and, uh, you know, uh, physical distancing. It's going to look a lot more intense this year with coronavirus, but uh, those are things that we did anyway, just basic hand hygiene and all of this and how to keep our immune systems robust and get your healthy uh, diet and and make sure you're getting enough sleep and and all that kind of stuff that we like to reiterate to students um, at the beginning of the year to just kind of start out on the right foot. Um, but then as the year goes on, we're scheduling those mandated physicals that they have to have at certain points in their developmental ages throughout the year. And um, we'll also work with the uh, athletics department because we um, the kids are heavily involved in all kinds of sports, especially the high school kids. And um, they, they practice pretty competitively. So we'll you know, help them set up their concussion testing, <laughs> you know, and make sure that we do some proper risk management to make sure that if they're prone to certain injuries that they're getting, you know, hooked in with therapy if they need it to get them ready for their season. And yeah, we will also work with, uh, I mean, basically every aspect of health, you know, um, we have a big obesity ep- epidemic, even in the UAE, we have high rates of diabetes mellitus. Um, so high blood sugar amongst the population here. So we work really hard to um, push out the importance of exercise and we'll even like work with the food vendors and say, look, we don't like that you have this on the menu. Can you switch it to a healthier choice? Yeah. So it's, it's nice that they've asked for our input and our advice when it comes to even, you know, setting up the cafeteria for the kids and Nutrition physical like and that's absolutely well. yeah. Are you also like a first responder? Yeah. Because it's a campus. Are you also like a re- first responder to any events that happen we in are. school? Uh, you know, things like maybe a kid uh, does get a concussion. They're they pass out or maybe 
someone faints or, or uh, oh, a seizure. Absolutely. You know? And what's different for me is I've had to be the first responder to adults as well. And I, oh. that's been, I mean, it's a long time since I've actually treated an adult. So I, I do rely on the, the nurses who kind of, you know, have a little bit more experience than that, but we are, the, we're the first responders, uh, for, definitely for the students and for all the faculty and staff and, and many teachers do faint on the first week of school. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or oh, not, really? not the stressful. students, the teachers. Huh? That's, that's the teachers. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the playgrounds, you know, no matter how much we joke, like we bubble wrap everything and yet someone will find that jetting out edge and cut their head on it. And, uh, you know, so there, there are plenty of, um, you know, emergencies and injuries that we, we do respond to on campus. We, we stay pretty busy. <laughs> you know, uh, as I, I learned uh, leading up to this um, conversation that the idea of and the role of a school physician has been around since the 1800s. Oh, wow. And obviously that has <laughs> uh, grown over the years in terms of what your responsibility is. And I think it's great that you're kind of like a public health advocate. Yeah. I mean, you're involved in nutrition, orthopedic-like related injuries, uh, a lot of pediatrician-related uh, issues, yeah. of course, like shots and, and how you detect right. you know, maybe certain rashes. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Do you think only a pediatrician is a qualified to fill this role? Or do you think a specialization in medicine best fits this type of advanced role? So that's a great question. And actually, the there was a doctor who was part-time before I joined and she moved back to the U.S. She, her kids also went to the school um, and she was an emergency medicine doctor. So it's, it's really fun. To, the nurses who have seen both of us and how we practice, it's, it's kind of hilarious for them because she didn't really raise an eyebrow unless someone was, you know, in shock. And meanwhile, if a kid <laughs> comes in with a sore ear, I can't wait to look at it and tell them whether they need it antibiotics or not or whatever you know so they're like wow you like seeing kids i'm like of course this is what i do <laughs> you know so um yeah so i think an emergency medicine doctor could be in many ways uh excellent for the role but may find the pace a little bit slower than what they're used to um but definitely would be uh very well trained in, res in first aid and you know emergency response um, and I think someone who majored in public health, to be honest, like a I master's, in public, a master's in public health, forget about a doctor like you. One of the nurses actually has a major also in public health. And I sit down with her every time we need to write a new policy, especially now we're writing policies almost daily <laughs> related to COVID-19. So um, uh, I'll sit down with her and say, look, do you like my policy? And she'll tear it apart. Like, where's the purpose? Where, you know, this is how you write a policy. I'm like, how do you know this? She said, oh, this is public health 101. Um, so there, I, I've had to learn, uh, you know, on the fly, some of these skills, but I think someone coming from a public health background could be really important in um, in a position like mine. So yeah, I think I think you can come at it from so many different angles. Family medicine, um, pediatrics obviously makes sense because it's mostly children and teens you're seeing, um, or emergency medicine. I see. So not an anesthesiologist, huh? <laughs> Um, you have to deal with kids who are very awake. I don't think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> oh, but I specialize in pediatrics. <laughs> but sleeping pediatrics is a whole point. different point. story. 
Your tr- career trajectory, I really want to highlight, albeit you're, you are a pediatrician, but you kind of took this other responsibility and turned it into a career. Do you recommend this type of what you're doing for a future physician? Uh, uh, yeah, um, I do. I At first, um, the career switch felt a little bit daunting. Like I compare it sometimes to my friends. Like I felt like I cut the umbilical cord. I you know, just leaving Mm. practice um, and the families, it just felt overwhelming. I was really emotional and I wasn't sure I was making the right decision at the time. Um, Really? Yeah. I I was nervous, honestly, because I mean, whenever you take a leap, you know, and you don't, it's, you're, you're leaping into something unknown and it's nothing you like what you've done before. It's a little bit scary, but after I've gone through it, I've never looked back. I really, Every day, I'm I'm so happy to work with the team that I work with at the school, and um, I absolutely love it. So I I do I would encourage and recommend a, a career path, um, either a complete switch, like sort of like what I did. I I mean I do still have some ties where I work part time in 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 an outpatient clinic. I, I like as a, as a pediatrician, I think that way I feel like I can still stay connected. And a lot of the kids who actually go to the school, I was their pediatrician in the first place. So it, it's been really nice to be able to, you know, keep those connections. But I would definitely recommend it. And I think people can do it in so many different stages, depending on the size of the school they might be joining or consulting for. So some, someone might want to keep their full-time job and do it the other way around. So their part-time job might be something in school health. So, But I do think a pediatrician's voice or a doctor's voice in school health is so important because, you know, we really are, uh, once we've gone through our training, we are experts in what's good for, you know, child health. Even, even if we, you know, don't realize that we have those skills, I think we do just having gone through our training and we, and we have the the right intentions, you can say that we, you know, ultimately we want this child to be healthy. This is why we're advocating for a vaccine. And this is, we're not trying to be stubborn or heartless. We, you know, to inject kids with needles with vaccines, we just know that this is the best way to protect them. So I I think it's a, it's a great field if you really believe in just that final outcome of what, what you want to see happen. Um, and you can move people in that direction a little bit faster with education. And it's a, it's also great that also you see the impact of what what you um, were doing on the ground, if you will, as a pediatrician. And then you take a step back and you say, like, I can see my impact uh, as uh, more of a you know public health advocate in this sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like even with this uh, COVID um, outbreak, we started, I mean, we always obviously, all pediatricians and all, I think all doctors, you know, we promote the flu shot every year. But now that, you know, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, we we don't just encourage it. Like we really, really want you to get your flu shots this year. So I just, you know, talked to my team and I said, what can we do? And we just decided we're going to just bombard our families and every time there's a communication coming out of the school every place on on our websites we're going to remind people to get their flu shots and the minute they're in you know um and they're they're at doctor's offices we're going to remind people so um so yeah you're right we can really our voices can reach uh 
our patients, <laughs> and they can be really loud when we're when we're coming from this angle of of the school, you know. Amima, you know, you went to there. Uh, you went to this school, the American School of Dubai, when you were actually in high school. You grew up in Dubai. Yes. Were you at the time? Were you a, a student that was already thinking about going into medicine and healthcare and being a physician? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, not only did I know I wanted to be a doctor, I knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. And how did that come about? That just were your parents kind of encouraging you with the? Yeah. How did that come about? Well, I mean, honestly, I don't remember the exact moment. I know I dreamt it up a long time ago that I, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to help kids. I think that's what my parents told me. I used to say all the time. But yeah, my parents definitely uh, encouraged me when they when they heard that. Oh, you want to be a doctor? What can we do to help? <laughs> you know. Um, so definitely, they 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 played a huge part in supporting and you know um, paving the way. You can say to help me get there. But um, I, I I remember asking my mom uh, like, "What does my name mean?" She goes, "Oh." Yeah, you know, it actually means little mother. I was like, oh, so I'm destined to be a pediatrician then. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I think it was a really long time ago, but I, I kind of, I think early on didn't know if I wanted to be a teacher or a biologist um, or, or I wanted to be a pediatrician. I kind of thought about those three fields as, and, and I think that, because just because I loved science and I loved, you know, guiding and teaching others, but then I knew it had to be something to do with kids. So I think it just kind of in my head pieced together as, well, pediatrician fits all of that. What kind of student were you, Omima, in college? Were you one of those, <laughs> you know, nose to the book? Uh, how would you describe yourself? I mean, yeah, I, I worked really hard, but... Um, I think I mellowed out actually at when I realized that, you know, well, there's more to life than just um, worrying about the grade. And my academic advisor is actually someone who was one of my mentors. And he was a, he's a biologist. He's a, a marine biologist. And he was, he just happened to be my academic advisor. And uh, he used to tell me, you don't have to be perfect at everything. Just do your best and 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 work really hard and you know study what you love and um, and I thought that was really good advice because he would he studied um, snail tongues you know and huh. is a really bizarre field but he was he's the expert I think till this day if you want to know anything On about snail tongues snail tongues yeah yes, that's uh, <laughs> not typical dinner conversation. <laughs> But it's fascinating research for, uh, you know, that niche. And, you know, he he's he's the person you would want to, you know, talk to if you had any questions about it. So but I think his point was just that, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like try to pull back, look at the big picture. You know, you have your goal in mind and don't worry about the small things. And, you know, you do have to work hard and just keep that final goal in mind and don't don't stress over the little things, you know. What would you have done differently if you, if you know, if you had to look back on on how you got to where you're at? Um, I think I would have tried to do more um, more internships when I was in high school. Not not because it would have changed what 
I probably what I would have gone into, but I feel like it would have maybe prepared me a little bit better for what to expect and what I wanted to get out of each of my rotations, you know? So um, I know it's not possible sometimes for to access, you know, those internships, especially in, you know, the healthcare field with all the confidentiality um, issues. But uh, I just wish I did more in within the field of uh, pediatrics just to, you know, as a student to reinforce. I mean, thankfully, I... You mean like shadowing somebody? Shadowing, exactly. And not maybe not just... Um, a general pediatrician shadowing all the different subspecialties within the field, just because I would have hated to be the person like one of my friends who decided to go to Hollywood after anatomy. So, I mean, (laughs) I just felt like, wow, all those years, you know, I mean, do you feel like you wasted them, you know, because he didn't want to be, you know, he didn't actually want to do medicine, but maybe, you know, sometimes that realization can happen earlier on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you really see what you're getting into, you know. When you do your research and due diligence. Exactly. (laughs) Your your friend actually wants to be an actor and quit (laughs) medical school? Yeah. And and the sad thing is he was probably that had the highest grades in in our entire anatomy class. So we're like, you don't even try. It just comes easy to you. (laughs) Oh, those kind of students. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mima, I just, I just want to go through some quick questions, if you don't mind. Sure. All right. It's fun questions. Nothing too stressful. <laughs> Whatever comes to mind first as an answer. All right. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say to speak every language in the world. Okay. And by the way, you speak English and what else? Um, English, French, and Arabic. <laughs> What's your ideal outside temperature? Oh, um, in Fahrenheit, about 75 degrees. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Mm. Oh, gosh. The 60s? 1960s. Yeah. Not the 1860s? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, chocolate chip. What's something you could eat for a week straight? <laughs> hmm. For a week straight? Oh, gosh, that's tough. I would say um, it's an – I don't think you would know this dish, but it's um, stuffed squash with rice and meat. It's called kusa. It's really delicious. It's a Lebanese dish. And you could eat that straight for a week, huh? I could easily. Wow. <laughs> what's the What's the best age? Like um, the cutest age, you mean? No. The oh, best, from... Well, you know, it's, <laughs> or, I don't know. I, it's actually just an open-ended question. I mean, I love four. Like um, when kids start, you know, telling stories and just sharing, their, you start to learn their personality. So whenever my kids, I feel like, were four it was one of the most fun times of our lives like figuring out who they were as people they're past the tantrums and they're turning into cute kids again so (laughs) (laughs) if you could ask god one question what would it be oh god why coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) okay definitely appropriate for now how long would it take you to get ready in the morning um 20 minutes and finally, if you're stranded on a tropical island with two things, what two things would you want with you? 
<laughs> I'm laughing because my kids play this game with me all the time. Really? <laughs> um, so, sorry, can you ask it again? What two items or... What I, two I'm, things would you want with things. you if you were stranded on a tropical island? <laughs> um, music and um, a microphone. <laughs> oh, Wow. A karaoke situation here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> much to the embarrassment of my children, but yeah. <laughs> Omima, thank you so much for thank being you. on this podcast. I, I, I think uh, I learned a lot, and I, I think a lot of people have learned a lot about oh, what glad. you're doing. And I, I think you're you're helping your school out tremendously, um, especially thank now you. with you know with, with coronavirus kicking in. Yeah, it's such a learning uh, experience for you, really. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you again, Omima. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. That's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmar.com or hcwithdrmar.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, Add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and catch you on the next episode.